Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast, the weekly listen for farm selling direct. We'll talk about the four levers for farm success, which are quality, brand, price, and convenience. We'll hear from outside industry experts and producers like you to delight your customers, save time, and to increase your direct farm sales and business. We're glad you're here. Welcome to the Direct Farm Podcast. We've got a great conversation for you today with one of our farm advisors, Tom Bennett from Bennett Farms. Welcome, Tom. Hey, hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. Well, to get things started, why don't you just take a moment to introduce yourself, how you got into farming and selling direct online? Yeah, my name's Tom Bennett. Got into farming upon separation from the Marine Corps. I started doing it more as a side hobby, just kind of to feed our family, you know, good, high quality food. And from that, it kind of organically grew through demand from some of our friends and other people we knew that were started asking us to raise meat for them. And then we said to ourselves, like, maybe there's something here, you know, let's look into this as like a a side business thing. And then it just grew legs and took off pretty fast. So I'd say we did this, you know, more of as like a, a side job type deal while I still had off farm employment for the first five years. And then it got to the point to where I had to make a decision that it's either I continue farming and quit my day job and go all in, or I got to scale back the farming because I couldn't do both. You know, you'd end up not sleeping for two days because you're doing so much stuff. And so we decided that the farming looked pretty promising and went all in on that. And it's been a success in my opinion since then. That's great to see how much growth and demand there was, you know, on the farming side for you to be able to, you know, make that decision. And also first and foremost, thank you so much for your service to um, this country and for, for having, you know, coming back and realizing that, you know, farming was an area of interest for you as well and a passion project, but how it evolved into a full-blown business. So maybe walk us through a little bit more after the first five years of kind of having farming as a side project. But once you realize that this was a passion of yours, you want to move forward full-time, what are some of the products that you sell and how has that growth taken place? So we're still just focusing on pork and poultry. We do pasture-raised pork and pasture-raised birds, and we haven't went past that into beef yet. We get asked for beef every week, but we're just, the pork and poultry has been growing so much that we don't have time to do beef at this point, and we haven't tapped out our reach on what we can sell with the pork and poultry. So we basically focus on that. We also do turkey uh, for Thanksgiving, and then we do eggs as well, but those sell out every week there's like a waiting list so it's we don't really advertise those that much so the last conversation that we had with you you were just starting to explore selling direct to market how have Mm. you grown over this past year since the last time we chatted with you and you also presented at our direct farm conference we had Mm -hmm. you as a guest on the webinar series so maybe share a little bit more about how your business has grown this past year it doubled again so since the last time we spoke we've doubled our annual sales again and we've done that every year for the past multiple years in the early years it's easy to double because it's it's not hard to go from you know 100 to 200 or whatever your starting numbers are small but then then as it gets bigger the numbers get big really fast so that's another obstacle that people will face i think as it becomes a legitimate lifestyle income you're working for yourself the numbers get really big that becomes a whole new fun thing and we'll probably almost double again next year the growth 
is amazing. Like I, I kind of thought it was possible when I started this, but to actually see it happen, I noticed too this year that the, with the COVID, so you initially had the bump in the online sales when COVID hit, like it was just 10 times your normal sales, you know, in a given month. And then it, it kind of tapered off a little bit and then it went back up again. But also I feel like the online, everybody and their mom like developed an online consolidation store this year. So it's so saturated out there right now that if you go to Google farm direct to my door, you're going to get 20 hits from all of these smaller marketing hubs in local regions. And so it's good to have relationships with your customers with an email list like we have where we can reach them directly. I think building a strong brand, which you have done, being able to expand in a very short amount of time to know that you've doubled this past year, you're looking to double again this year. Tell us more about convenience and what that means to you, not only as a farm, so you're trying to save time, you're trying to create efficient processes in your business operations, but how do you also focus on convenience for your buyers? So whether that's offering subscriptions or delivery and other convenient pickup locations. Yeah, so we meet our buyers anywhere they want to find us. Like we, they can get us at their local independent grocery stores. We do delivery from our online store, market pickups. So we do 13 farmers markets a week during the summer. Um, during the winter, there's not as many. So we only have three during the winter that we're at weekly. But during the summer, all of those farmers markets, they can go online up until we set it for six o'clock the previous day in order for pickup at the market. So that way, when they get there, it's already been paid for. We just hand them their order out of the cooler, you know, in a box and they can go on their way. We also, with the subscriptions, that's been great. That grew really rapidly and it's uh, it stayed consistent. So that's a nice chunk of our business every month. No matter how the customer wants to, to find us or get our stuff, we try and make sure we're there. So that way they have the option to, to purchase from us. We just want to be everywhere that they want us to be. And we think we're accomplishing that. And thinking from a recurring cash flow standpoint as well, how subscriptions probably helps you, like you, you mentioned, you know, farmers markets aren't as prevalent during the winter time. So being able to have that recurring cash flow I'm sure subscriptions probably helps with that throughout the year as well. Yeah, it does. The subscriptions and the online sales during the winter. I don't think we could be in business the way that we are today without our online store in the winter because we have to cash flow all of our production for the summer still during the winter, but you've got, you know, only 30% of your monthly sales that you would have in the summer normally during the, the busiest peak times of the year. So having all of those online sales and the subscriptions that helps bankroll your production going into summer because usually coming into summer, you're spending a lot of money on animals and feed and things like that to, and butchering bills to have everything ready to go on, you know, April or May 1st when all of the, the big rush comes for grilling season and all of those things. You don't want to be out of products. We right now in, in our walk-ins, we have $100,000 worth of pork and poultry ready to go you know, May 1st. So that way we don't have a shortage like we have in years past because we've in years past within two months of going into the summer, we're already starting to run out of stuff and we lose out on sales that way. So we try and put up a lot of product before the summer starts, but without the online store, with all of the sales coming in, that would be more of a challenge. And strategically in terms of pricing, I'm sure that you have researched, you know, your buyers, you know, they're willing to pay for convenience, but on top of that quality. So maybe tell us a little bit more about how you make those decisions into in terms of how you price your products, 
what are some of the best practices that you have learned as you've added in delivery, you've added in subscriptions, and how are you able to communicate that to your buyers? We review our pricing every January. During the winter, we'll go through and we'll look at, at our pricing and adjust it as needed. We were able to, from early on, kind of get our pricing right to start with. We see a lot of farms, they're new, they're just getting into this and I'll see them pop up here and there. And for what they're selling their product for per pound, like they're trying to like compete with Walmart or something. Like it's crazy how cheap it is. And I'm glad that they're trying to do that. But I also know that like their pricing is wrong and they don't realize it yet, but they will in two years when they go out of business because they didn't study the numbers hard enough to realize that they were undervaluing their product. That's a big um, mistake I see a lot of people make. Our pricing, we go about that just based on the return that we need to make for our investment and time in like a whole hog. So we'll break down the cuts into the most valuable, least valuable, but all in all, by the time that whole pig is sold, you're gonna have a, a total number for that unit that you need to get out of it. It's just up to you how you kind of work that out, but it's basically on a per unit basis. You need to recover X amount of cost. And then that makes your math easy. And understanding your buyers too, you know, if your buyers are coming to you, they want quality products. They're paying for convenience too. So understanding that you have, you know, the opportunity to charge a little bit more because you're not only providing them a quality yeah. product that's, you know, local, it's raised by, you know, a family farm, but also you are providing a convenient option for them through the delivery, through the subscriptions too. So to not and count it, yourself out. And it is a little bit more of a premium price on the product. And it's gotta be because we're not Tyson or Swift. We're not making two cents on a pound of meat. Like that doesn't work for this model. It, it, it will not work. It's not for everybody. If you're shopping for the best deal that you can find in the world on pork and chicken, like I'm not your guy and I'm sorry, I can't be, but it's not for everyone, but if you do the math, if you could sell your product to one in a thousand people, if you could pitch what you're selling to a thousand people, do you think that one of those thousand would say, yes, I'll buy it and I'll buy it every week? I think yes. Like if I could line up and talk to a thousand people, that would easily, I could sell it to one in a thousand. Well, now take your population in your surrounding area, maybe go 70 miles out each direction, you might have five or six million people in that region. So do the math like you don't need everyone to be your customer you just need the customers that love your product so don't try and target it towards everyone because you you'll just be spinning your wheels and and raising product you know for free basically you'll be working for free but there's no shortage in demand for high quality farm direct products like non-gmo antibiotic free pasture raised as long as your product is something that can differentiate itself from what they're getting at their local grocery store We've never found ourselves sitting on product that we couldn't sell. Ever since the day we started, it's always been we're behind two steps on having enough to meet the demand. And I think a lot of that too is we don't loaf on advertising and we do try and build a good brand. If you're a farmer that's out there and you don't already have a Google business account, like you need to get one of those set up and you should have done that a long time ago because when people Google Bennett Farms, that's what pops up is just like when you're searching for a restaurant, you know, when you're getting ready to go out to eat, you'll come up on that page and we get a ton of traffic from the Google business page. And that's a free page. That doesn't cost anything. Just make sure that when somebody puts into a computer, they're looking for local 
meats or whatever product it is you're selling that your name's the one that's coming up. You won't have any problem moving the product. You know, and this doesn't go for everybody. There could be somebody in the middle of New Mexico that's 200 miles from a town. I don't know how that would work. That would be hard. But if you have a major metropolitan area within an hour and a half of you, you're going to be just fine as far as trying to sell that product. Yeah, brand awareness is so important because you can make sure that your process is quality process and that you have those convenient options. But if you're not marketing yourself as a mm -hmm. farm, you're not marketing the products that you sell and you offer, how are people going to find out about you? So kind of transitioning a little bit here, earlier you touched on how you served in the military, and I understand that you are a member as well of the Farmer Veteran Coalition. So maybe share a little bit more about when you decided to become a member and what decision led you to join FEC. So when I first found out that the organization existed, it was kind of a no-brainer for me. I was excited to to see that there was an organization like that out there. So I signed up right away. It's a organization that anyone can actually become a member. Like, so if you just want to support military veterans, you're free to sign up. You can become a member of the Farmers Veterans Coalition, but to get the certification to run the Homegrown by Heroes logo, which like we run on all of our products, you do have to be a veteran serving in the military for, for that logo. And there's a certification process that they'll run through with you for that so you can get qualified to run their logo on your products and advertising and things like that and that helps you stand out a little bit you know on your packages and and some of your advertising it's just another thing that you know can set you apart from maybe the guy right next to you that's selling the same stuff and it's a great organization the first annual meeting i went down to it was great to, to see all of these veterans again it kind of brought back a lot of the camaraderie and uh, the brotherhood from in the military. And I think a lot of us that are there at those meetings are kind of missing that because that's something that you don't get outside of the military service is just that that closeness, you know, being in a room full of people that you know would die for you is a pretty cool feeling like to experience in your life and to be back around those types of people. It's just enjoyable. So I always look forward to that meeting and they do a lot of great things with the grants and things of that nature for veterans that are getting out of the military or have been out for a while to help you get started with farming. They awarded us a grant a few years back for farrowing huts on pasture, which was nice when we were starting out. It was just one less thing that we had to worry about buying and they provided to us. So. That's great to hear. And FEC is one of our partners as well. So knowing that there is, you know, an organization like FEC that supports veteran farmers specifically and gives you, like you said, the opportunity to not only d differentiate yourself in the market, but to also focus on a brotherhood, a community. What would you say would be the most enjoyable aspect about being a member of FEC? probably the knowledge you can gain from the annual meeting that they have those are really well ran and there's a lot you can learn at those so that was a pretty valuable experience they do a lot of stuff there that i haven't myself taken advantage of like they can do mentorships and things like that they kind of partner returning vets with you know other veteran farmers to kind of do like internships so there's a lot of networking opportunities there that that i haven't fully utilized but if anyone will go to the um, farmer veterans coalition website it'll, it'll show you a full layout of everything that they do for the veterans in the community that's great and to know that there's a homegrown by 
Heroes label as well. You yeah. kind of talked about how it differentiates you in the market. Maybe touch a little bit more on that. How so? Like, what have you noticed within the past years of being an FVC member and having that label? How has that been able to differentiate you as in the market? So if you're in the market, like in person, it's a conversation starter because uh, people will, will see the logo. Maybe they, they have some signs and things like that, that you can get as well. Not just the logo that goes on your labeling and the USDA does approve that logo for your labeling. So you can run that on your, each package of meat has, you know, you can put that homegrown by heroes logo on it. They will approve that. And so a lot of times people will come up and say, oh, what's the homegrown by heroes about? And we'll explain what the farmer veterans coalition is and kind of what they do and that we're a member of it depending on who's working. Sometimes when I'm working a market, they'll say, oh, were you in the service? And yeah, I'll explain to them my service history. And they're really happy to shake my hand over it. But a lot of times it'll be one of our employees working at the market and that sign's still up. And so they'll explain to the customer just kind of what's going on with that. And having it on the, the products that you sell, but in addition to that signage, and then like you said, conversation starter too. So it's beyond just the product itself, but it's your story. It's your farm story as well. And that transcends and you're able to share that. So what would you say would be your final piece of advice for farmers looking to sell direct, or maybe they just started and they're looking to scale their business? I guess I kind of tapped on this earlier, but I would say don't undervalue your products because I've seen that lately, especially this year. I don't know why it's been such a, a common thing this year, but I've seen a lot of other farms trying to get going out there and they're selling ground sausage at three twenty-five a pound. And I know for a fact that's not going to work because you've got a dollar in butchering cost and you've got another $2 in your seed stock and your feed. So they're losing money. And I feel bad for them because like, you can only do that for so long before you've, you've dug yourself a hole. So make sure your pricing is right. That's one thing. And you need to get yourself out there in all media channels. Social media is not the best thing in the world to waste your advertising budget on. You could blow $400 a month on Facebook ads and get zero return. It's not the way to go. So for advertising, I would say Google is probably going to be your best return on investment as far as pay-per-click ads with Google. For farms coming in, they're starting a business. Maybe they see an immediate benefit to discounting their products, but long-term, that is going to have an adverse effect. So starting now with, okay, we are a premium product. We understand how we want to differentiate ourselves in the market through the quality, through the convenience that we offer long-term, you're going to have a stronger buyer loyalty versus trying to be all things to all people. So I love how you touched on that multiple times throughout this conversation, because I think that is super important for all farmers, but especially for those just now starting out. Another thing that was helpful for us this year was we changed the pay structure of the way we were paying our workers that run our farmers markets, our salespeople. So prior to this year, they were all hourly based and we gave them a, a decent hourly wage, but I wanted to incentivize them more to actually have some skin in the game when it comes to the sales that they're doing. So that way, when they're selling a hundred dollars worth of stuff, they get excited about it. And it's not just an inconvenience that they have to check someone else out, you know, but they're not like that. They're all really good people and they, they want to see us um, sell a lot of stuff too. But we wanted to give everyone a raise and I didn't want it to be hourly because like I said, I want them to be able to be excited when they're having a really good day in sales. So we kind of connected their raise in a commission style. So they get a percentage of the, the gross sales that they do for the day. And probably all of our future raises will just increase that percentage on top of their hourly wage. So 
they have a base hourly and then a, a commission that they earn on sales. And that's been great. We've seen a lot of results with that and we should have done it sooner. Also, we implemented an email collection incentive. So we've always, for the past few years, had a clipboard at all of our farmer's market stands and where whoever is working the booth will just say, hey, if you'd like to sign up for our email list, you'll receive a coupon on your first order. You know, it'll, you'll get an email about once a month just with updates from what's going on around the farm, new products, things like that. And, and we would get enough of those coming in. We collected quite a few every week, but we, we added a, an incentive to where our employees, they'll get a dollar per email that they collect at the markets. It has to be a valid email. So when we go and we punch all those emails in, if one pops out is like already being in the system, they don't get paid for that one. But that did boost our email collection quite a bit. And a dollar per email, I'll, I'm glad to pay that all day because those are high quality emails that are going to return easily on that investment over time. So, and and that gives the, the people we have working for us too more incentive to collect emails because you can make 40 or 50 bucks in a day. If you just collect 40 or 50 emails, you're standing there anyways, you know, why not ask for the email? So uh, that works out good. Thank you so much for sharing. I think it's so important to also think about your employees and your staff and how you can motivate them too, especially when you're not at the farmer's market every day. What's next for, for Bennett Farms? I would just keep chasing our sales goals. I mean, right now we kind of have a growth curve in mind that we want it to follow. We're, we're on track to surpass our first one that we set for ourselves for 2022. And so we're just going to set a new one for 2025. Um, we're going to keep doubling. We'd like to have a no growth year possibly in 2023, just to kind of catch our breath because a lot of people, they don't realize too, uh, you know, and I'm explaining this to some people who asked, but when you double every year, that takes all of your profit from the previous year and you have to reinvest that into, so if you, say if you did a half a million in sales last year, okay, and now you're going to double for next year, the amount of sales you did, if you did a half million dollars in sales, you probably had about 250,000 just in animal cost between feed, butchering. And so if you're going to double next year, that means that you're going to have 500,000 in input cost. Well, that was your gross number from the previous year. So growing has a lot of pains to it and it can be hard and you've got to kind of be prepared for that. There are some um, things that we haven't taken advantage of like USDA operating loans, things like that, that I highly recommend people look into once they're going to be doing this as a legit thing. So it'll be nice to, I think in 2023, we're probably going to not grow that year just to be able to have an, a nice break for a year of the uh, stress of growth, because it is it is a lot of work. Thank you so much, Tom, for the conversation. Truly enjoyed chatting with you today. Here at Barnstore, yeah. we are delighted to support thousands of farms across the country, including veteran farmers and farmer veteran coalition members like Tom. So on behalf of the entire Barnstore team, thank you, Tom, and all of our veterans for your service. For more information on Bennett Farms, you can visit their website, bennettfarmsmichigan.com. And to learn more about Barn to Door, including access to numerous free resources and best practices for your farm, you can go to barntodoor.com slash resources. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thank you.